Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 99. I think BAS has become one of the more, if not most strategic agenda items a lot of execs across financial institutions and non-financial institutions are looking at today. What BAS offering enables is the ability for providers of financial services, the embedders or the distributors, to API into our platform on one side and our banks on the other side to API into the platform on the other side. My name is Pesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. With an estimated seven trillion US dollar market opportunity, banking as a service, otherwise known as BAS, has moved to the top of the strategic agenda for executives across industries. The world of banking has seen significant changes and shifts over the past few years, with COVID having accelerated digital advancements within all sectors of the economy. In light of this, consumer demand has also rapidly evolved, with BAS coming firmly into focus. This call for progress has also been echoed by financial institutions seeking to offer loan origination products and services. In both cases, embedded finance seemed to be the answer, offering safer and more regulated options for all involved parties. Today, I'm delighted to be catching up with Vali Ardalan, Global Head of Revenue and Sales at Visa Direct, and Barry Rodriguez, EVP, Payments in the Business Unit at Finastra. And here we are at Cybos Amsterdam to find out more about BAS and innovations within the sector. Vali, Barry, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. It's great to be here with you, Pesh. So quick elevator pitch in no more than 30 seconds or so. Who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Vali, over to you to start. Sure. I'm Vali Ardalan. I lead global revenue and sales for Visa Direct based out of London. Visa Direct essentially offers our clients seamless access to a global real-time payment network, reaching over 175 countries and 160 currencies. Today, we're processing over 5 billion transactions a year across 60 plus use cases for businesses of all sizes across the globe. I'm delighted to be here with Barry and yourself. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Barry, over to you. Yeah, so great to be here. Barry Rodriguez, EVP of Payments and also Banking as a Service at Finastra. Basically, Finastra provides um, mission-critical banking software to 8,500 banks around the world across the four verticals of lending, payments, treasury and capital markets, and universal banking. And we also provide banking as a service capabilities through our platform, Fusion Fabric, Doc Cloud, which is an exciting, innovative area that we're driving. Thank you very much, Base, for the very clear overviews of your organization. Vali, let's start with you and take a bit of a step back. Can you describe how banking as a service works and why it's useful? I'm sure Barry's more the expert on this, but you know, as far as we look at it, I think BAS has become one of the more, if not most, strategic agenda items a lot of execs across financial institutions and non-financial institutions are looking at today because it essentially enables any business to develop new and exciting propositions with relevant financial services embedded into the customer experience. At a really high level, 
banking as a service is a provision of banking products and services through a third-party distributor. And so what you see is by integrating non-banking businesses with regulated financial infrastructure, fast offerings are enabling new specialized propositions and really importantly, bringing those to market a lot faster. It's an extremely quickly growing market. We expect it to reach a value of over $7 trillion by 2030. I think the great thing about banking as a service is that it makes financial products accessible to the users at the point of need rather than within the constraints of traditional FIs. And it has led to a really empowering shift in the consumer banking experience. But like with all things we see and with an increased pace in digitalization and payments as a whole and acceleration of e-commerce, we tend to bring what we have in our personal lives and wonder why we can't have those same kind of activities in our work lives. And so we started to see similar demand and transformation in B2B financial services alike. Businesses of all size here really stand to gain benefit directly from leveraging these APIs and to tailor their offerings for their clients and consumers. And really important to this, it's more than just money movement transactions, but really about the ability to offer rich data that can be analyzed to provide organizations with that extra layer of financial transparency and control, and also to offer, you know, at the end of the day, an improved user experience, which is becoming increasingly valuable today. So I think, like, just to summarize, financial institutions are now able to reach a greater number of customers at a lower cost. Distributors can now open new lines of revenue by building relationships with the customers directly. So it's really a great service and opportunity for the entire financial services ecosystem. Thank you very much. I guess it's a nebulous concept that sounds quite exciting and it's really evolving rapidly. 7 trillion US dollar market opportunity and it allows FIs to reach more customers, lower costs, new revenue streams. Can you talk through, Valley, some of the major developments that you've seen in the last few years and actually also perhaps taking a future looking view, what you might see? I think a lot of innovation and cross-border money movement is accelerating at an incredible pace. You know, if you look at, depending on how you focus it, a lot of you should think that the digitalization of payments and the acceleration of that during the pandemic has been kind of the equivalent of five to seven years of growth in a very short period of time. Behaviors have been changed. And so banks are increasingly under pressure to implement and launch new programs for their customers to stay ahead of that. Banking as a service is ushering in that capability and bringing in a, a ton of new financial services by reconfiguring the banking value chain and accelerating growth through that digital transformation. And I think it's really about driving new products at that point of service, the embedded financial services that banking as a service is giving FIs and non-FIs alike access to. Some of the major developments have been to do with removing a number of the time-consuming and expensive hurdles that exist within the space, facilitating launches of new products to market at a much faster place, faster time to market, faster time to revenue. I think what's really is starting to occur here is, is that where this has historically been a bit of a buzzword on Bass and banking as a service as a whole, it is now really becoming a very mature point in today's market where organizations are understanding that they have to have some of these services as table stakes as they offer them to their clients around the world. Thanks very much. Barry, how is Finastra addressing banking as a service solutions and how does this benefit FIs and distributors? I mentioned the way we set up our business, which is these four business verticals. And then we have this the platform capability that's above it, which is FusionFabric.cloud. What BAS offering enables is the ability for providers of financial services, the embedders or the distributors, to API into our platform on one side and our banks on the other side to API into the platform on the other side. The advantage for both parties is you can actually get to market in half the time that would normally take versus a bespoke implementation one-to-one. That's number one. But if I take a step 
step back just more generally, when I look at financial institutions, what the benefits are for financial institutions, they're participating in a fast-changing world. Customers and consumers are consuming financial services on their terms now where they want to consume them, not necessarily in a bank channel. It allows FIs to participate in that world where the customer is going to. They're still going to leverage their infrastructure and their licensing capabilities, which is extremely important and highly valuable, but allows them to push capabilities to end customers through different channels that they never had access to before. And that is of extreme interest to them, I think, as we move forward. From a distributor point of view, it's slightly different, right? The distributor provides financial services as one component of a customer journey that is a seamless customer journey. What we have found is that these distributors are maniacally focused on providing a world-class customer experience. Something traditional providers of products now increasingly doing is folding in financial services as part of that offering. And we think there's huge opportunity for that. But one thing I would say also is you've got both sides of that ecosystem, the financial institution and the distributor. Let's not lose sight of the customer. And as Vani mentioned, the end customer benefits from transparency, reduced costs, more efficiency and speed to market in terms of their end journey. If you're buying a house, a mortgage is one piece of the transaction. The faster you can get approval, et cetera, the better it's going to be. The more banks that are bidding for that transaction through a banking as a service proposition, the finer the rate you're going to be offered. End customer will get benefits from this. And that's what I think is increasingly exciting about the banking as a service proposition. And honestly, why it's here to stay. We're moving from a physical world to digital world and the ability to offer all these services digitally, either uniquely or part of a a user journey is here to stay. Thanks, Barry. Can you talk about how this extends then to embedded lending solutions and what some of the benefits are? I mean, perhaps do you have any, I don't know, hypothetical use cases or scenarios? Lending is just one of the capabilities, right? I think at the end of the day, what we've already seen has been buy now, pay later, likes of a firm, Klarna, et cetera, pop up on virtually every website I visit when I'm buying something and checking out and offer me the pay in for or whatever. Apple's even getting into the space. So there is a classic example where someone went out, the user journey was to buy something. And then, and when you're at the point of closing the transaction, you actually get offered the choice of credit card, debit card, or pay in installment. Many times it's 0% installment because the merchant is funding that. Merchants like that option because when they go to a 0% finance option for the customer, and the customer knows with certainty what they're going to pay in those four or six installments, the actual closure rate increases quite significantly, actually, we've observed. I think what it does is lending is just uh, one of the services. I mean, obviously, what we're doing with Visa on the cross-border side is another area. There are huge opportunities for us to focus on providing lending as a service for corporates, small businesses, as well as for um, consumers at the point where they want to consume it in the user journey that they're undertaking. One interesting thing we have noticed uh, and observed now is that 80% of US small businesses now have an online presence of some sort. And many of those are dealing with integrated service providers, vendor software providers, and take credit card payment acceptance through those uh, ISVs that they deal with. About 50% of them, when you survey a bunch of them, have said that they're interested in taking broader financial services through their ISV provider. Huge opportunity, we think, to extend lending in that direction and actually go to where the customer wants to consume the product. Thank you very much. And I guess going into more detail on the Visa and Finastra partnership, the banking as a service collaboration, which will help co-develop new functionality in its payment solution. Perhaps, Vali, can you talk about this Visa-Finastra partnership in in relation to cross-border payments and how that is facilitating easier exchanges and transactions? 
a nice way to frame it is to, to kind of draw back a little bit from what Barry was talking around about the importance of that consumer and the customer journey that goes through it and staying to expectations with what is expected in the market today. And I think traditionally, as we look at cross-border payments, they've been fundamentally built around infrastructures for providing large values of transactions, large value transactions. And what we're focusing now to extend beyond that is large volumes of low value transactions. And banks are under a ton of pressure as it comes to uh, when it comes to processing these and a little bit under-equipped in some spaces. And so I think there's challenges from all sides in this space. And what we're doing is deploying a custom-built cross-border payment solution in the current environment is really expensive and time-consuming for most banks to kind of undertake by themselves. Visa Direct and Finastra have worked together to create as a part of their banking as a service product an out-of-the-box processing capability without any of that complexity. This really enables Visa Direct's banking clients to give their customers greater choice in how they route cross-border payments, and the banks essentially are able to embed Visa product. You know, with Finastra, Thousands more banks and financial institutions are able to offer faster, more transparent, and cost-effective cross-border transactions to their small, mid-sized businesses and consumers around the world. And via Visa Direct, Finastra can leverage Visa's powerful global payment network to facilitate those fast and simple transactions. Essentially, Visa Direct today is already providing access to more than 2 billion accounts through our push-to-account offering, which means, you know, in very real terms, these banks are now able to offer a quick, low-cost, cross-border payment for their customers with greater transparency and really start to not just catch up with the market demand, but also start to get ahead of it. I think you touched on an important point there, which is getting ahead of those current market trends. Barry, how do you think the current trend of distributors tending towards bass over traditional channels will change in the future? I mean, is this a passing fad or is it here to stay? We feel it's here to stay. At the end of the day, what's driving a lot of this fish uh, from what we see is the consumer and customer. Let's just put it that way. Customer, corporate and consumer behaviors are evolving. They're needing to consume these financial services as part of what they want to do. I think the other thing is the world is moving more digital. We're moving online. It's becoming more of a global marketplace. And so any retailer now, I mentioned 80% of small businesses have some sort of an online presence. Any retailer now can sell globally. We are very excited about the visa relationship because we think it's just one of a series of things we're doing in this space because we're seeing that global cross-border trade is going to increase and there's no stopping that, right? Because the world is, for a merchant now, the world is their marketplace and effectively the shipment of goods can happen seamlessly. Then you go to the payment side of it. Deals like we've done with Visa, we think actually just bring a much more seamless, transparent and cheaper and more efficient way for cross-border funds to be rooted in that flow of that commerce journey. We always look at the doing well by doing good. This is going to bring the cost of cross-border payments down. And we think that's a good thing. And what's happened historically is that the cost of cross-border payments, as always, hits the people who do the smallest transactions the hardest because they're fixed fees associated with that. And the more we can do in partnership with partners like Visa to bring cross-border payments and make them more transparent, more efficient, lower cost, that phrase, democratizing finance, which is somewhat overused, sometimes I think this helps in that journey. It's an important piece of what the outcome will be, I think, with the relationship with partners such as Visa for Finastra. Well summarized. Valley, I'm going to ask you a final question. So here we are at Cybos Amsterdam 2022, the theme progressive finance for a changing world. So I guess, you know, big wide open question. I'm asking you to get your crystal ball up. What do you think the future of BAS looks like? I look at payments and the future of payments often in, in the sense that if we're doing what we're doing well, we're, we're invisible in this process. And in order to be truly invisible in something, everything needs to be seamless. It needs to be secure. 
It needs to be cost-effective and it needs to be well-connected. I think banking as a service products, as we see them today, are weighted more towards retail banking. But I think what we're going to see more so is a penetration into corporate and SMEs with their growth accelerating in the future. I think Barry touched on some of this before, but there's some great opportunities, for example, in SME lending that banking as a service offers particular value for. It's a cumbersome process. There's less established players servicing this market. It's a huge revenue opportunity, I think. For example, in 2020, SME lending generated something like $250 billion in market revenue compared to point of service financing, like including buy now, pay later, which generated something in the ballpark of around $28 billion. I think regardless of the sector or the use case, banking of a service is growing in popularity and gaining momentum. You touched on it a couple of times through this discussion. You know, is it a fad? Is it a buzzword? We absolutely do not believe it. We believe it's here to stay. It will continue to mature. Looking at regardless of the use case, distributors will need to focus on the right use case in their particular market. We've talked a lot here about focusing on the consumer, focusing on that journey, understanding it really clearly so they can ultimately identify the customer needs and embed those needs into their flows effectively. In retail, distributors will be choosing BAS over traditional banking potentially to service their enhance their products and service offerings, increase customer loyalty and retention. And in the SME segment, you know, I think it's going to become a really interesting place where we start to see a lot more of a one-stop shop solution, decreasing operating costs, alluding to what Barry was describing before. And, and when your operating costs come down, your overall price to market can also be lowered and improving the financial services that are available for individual consumers around the world. I think it's a very exciting place. We're very glad to be engaged with Finastra and, and seeing it grow. Just to summarize, and thanks very much, both of you, for joining. But I guess it's very interesting because Bass really is opening opportunities for consumers that need it the most. It really focuses on financial inclusion. But on the other hand, it's a win-win. It reduces operating costs. It opens up new revenue opportunities. It really promotes and stimulates innovation. So I don't see that as a bad thing at all, especially because we're looking at the wider picture here around democratizing cross-border payments and lending. So quite a transformative product and uh, an area to explore and, and really looking forward to seeing the explosion of bass into the industry and, and really see how it's making a difference over the coming years. Anyway, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of Cybos. Such a pleasure to have you on Trade Finance Talks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.